people were just like, oh shit, this is great. Like, people were starting to take them to work. Like, POC were starting to take like, all the scooters and shit and like travel with them. And then they took them out till they were like, oh shit, like, we made this work for everybody. Like, it wasn't supposed to work that way. It's only supposed to benefit white, wealthy people. And that's when they brought them back. <laughs> and they like wrote, you know, they did shit like you can't park this thing here like they mapped out red like zones where you couldn't park you know scooters and shit <laughs> so it's like which let like those were places where people would usually be <laughs> where people would usually be fucking going to work to you know what i'm saying so they wouldn't be able to anymore yeah 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 fuck raleigh i, I, fuck raleigh, I mean obviously when i say fuck raleigh i don't mean the good people in it like at the end of the day, Raleigh as a whole name comes from it being a prior thing and then now being called Raleigh. Yo, they're really trying to shut me down right here because like the page keeps coming to an end. No, you won't fucking stop me. I'm going to fucking read all of this from the beginning because I want to re- get this recorded. Yes. Push, pulled, erase. Sorry. Push, pushed pulled, erased. A Cartographic History of Raleigh's Fourth Ward by Mark Kloss, Close, spelled K-L-O-S-E, November 24, 2020. The Sanborn Fire Insurance Maps provide intricate building details and dimensions. For Raleigh, North Carolina, the last publicly available printing is from 1914. While geo-referencing 81 pages of stables, gas stations, and homes, I came across two pages which lacked modern points of reference. One of these pages was for small servant quarters by St. Augustine's College, and the other page was a dense residential neighborhood that crossed the railroad line south of the city near the present-day Duke Energy Center for the Performing Arts. I wonder what Raleigh was called. Was it like called like Raleigh Plantation or some shit? I don't know. Anyways, the neighborhood had two churches, Congressional Church and Chapel, Manly Street Christian Church, and one school, Washington School, explicitly labeled with one word, Negro. When I say the word Negro, or I want to say it as Negro, a disappeared predominantly black Raleigh neighborhood suggests a demise at the hands of 1950s to 1970s urban renewal projects similar to Cameron Village Shopping Center overrunning the historically black Oberlin Village or the Durham Freeway raising the Haiti neighborhood. Except some, na- some maps depict this neighborhood standing as recently as na- 1988. Labeling this neighborhood was the first difficult task. The neighborhood no longer stands and there is no immediate information online. The last reference this area was in 1988 from Richard Matson, a member of the NCDCR Historic Preservation Office, calling this area the Fourth Ward. This work aims to piece together missing links between the vibrant African-American Fourth Ward neighborhood and its eventual destruction. The nature of organization, communication, mobility, and wielding of power all contributed to how this community was pushed, pulled, and erased from memory. Quote, they were pushed by segregationists. 
Jim Crow attitudes that asserted themselves through laws and social expectations into all facets of Southern life. While blacks were being forced away from many downtown locations, they were also pulled away for many reasons. Matson, 1988. The pushing of a community away from the city center starts from the moment homes are created. Without acceptance or granted ability to build homes in the downtown of Raleigh, African-American communities set up on the outskirts of the city. Communities such as the Fourth Ward, Oberlin Village, and South Park are other examples. The pulling of communities away from downtown locations and pulling towards their communities comes from the wielding of power, politics, and cultural influence of these communities. Around this time, 66% of the Fourth Ward's 3,200 residents identified as Black and were the only ward in Raleigh that consistently elected Black aldermen. No other ward had as much Black political influence. Matson, 16. The consolidation continued as the city grew in size and population, unwilling and unable to find housing in other areas. Neighborhoods solidified their racial identity. The erasing of a community happens two ways, the physical eraser and the eraser from digital and personal memory. Most of Raleigh's road structures and neighborhoods have stayed intact, making the fourth ward's complete raising unique. The fourth ward was erased too recently to be studied by historians, but too early to be properly entered into our digital memories. Pushed. In the years following the Civil War, Raleigh provided space for African-American opportunity and, and advancement. Shaw University and St. Augustine's College opened to provide education for teachers, medical students, and technical careers. East Target Street centralized as a space for Black-owned businesses. Depression-era projects added parks dedicated specifically to Black citizens, such as Chavez Park in the South Park neighborhood and Reedy Creek State Park now part of Umstead State Park. From, in, from its inception through 1910, Raleigh contained itself within a one-mile radius of the city center without much expansion. The Fourth Ward developed with its unique triangular streets at the terminus of South Fayetteville Street. White newspapers like the News and Observer shifted public perception of these new neighborhoods in the Fourth Ward as crime-ridden, as the social and political barriers of Jim Crow took hold. Matson 21 National Park Service. This mechanism ties criminality for the black bodies of the neighborhood, a precursor to the concept of driving while black. Nicholson 555. The neighborhood's creation signifies contradictions within itself. By being grouped closely together, external labels like crime-ridden carry weight for the group over the individual, while internally these neighborhoods provide a space to realize middle-class status. Despite being pushed to the outskirts of Raleigh, transportation options such as streetcar lines, though temporary, and automobiles provided mechanism for these marginalized neighborhoods to still reach downtown marketplaces, thus keeping neighborhoods in the Fourth Ward primarily residential. As streetcar lines began to shut down, Raleigh transitioned towards automobile usage, a mechanism that impacted the African-American community. Based on a 1919 North Carolina auto license directory, there were approximately 55 African-American automobile owners, compared to over 1,100 white automobile owners. 
Automobility spans not only the physical movement, but a sense of freedom in destination and range not allowed through streetcar or on foot transportation methods. This is why I've been wanting to build like a whole system around getting cars and getting people like mechanics and like checks and money for gas and money for fixing shit. Because it's one of the biggest barriers in this fucking world, and especially in a state like North Carolina, North Kakalaki. Try not to call it North Carolina because it doesn't deserve my respect. Also, look at this. This fucking webpage keeps fucking imploding, so then I have to keep finding it again. Classic white people shit trying to hide the truth. Classic technology not working when you're trying to find the truth. Classic, classic, classic. Yeah, also, fucking hate when you can't fucking walk, aka be fucking human in a fucking... <sighs> Anyways, pulled. While pushed towards the fringes. Oh my god, it fucking re... Fuck you. The page reset again. This is what Hua was talking about. Getting into the nitty gritty. Matrix is pushing back. While pushed towards the fringes, a pulling force also brought African Americans to these neighborhoods. Even after the city expanded its previous boundaries, African American neighborhoods provided the only source of reliable medical and emergency care. Fucking classic, because of course. The fourth ward had old, old Rex Hospital, which treated both white and black patients until 1909, followed by Leonard Hospital, working in conjunction with Shaw University, Mitchell 169-170, to RHDC. Similarly, St. Agnes Hospital serviced the African-American East Raleigh neighborhood, RDHC. Politics and law also played a role in pulling neighborhoods closer along racial lines. In the creation of the Glenwood, Boylan Heights, and Cameron Park, legal guidelines for these neighborhoods prohibited, quote, Negroes or persons of mixed blood, end quote, from occupying the land, Matson 25. Classic, right? I mean, if you look at Oregon, there's literally law that, like, was not allowing any black person to enter that state. Which is why in Oregon, there's all white people and white supremies doing their fucking white supremi bullshit. In contrast, neighborhoods like, and yet, you know what's ironic? I was talking yesterday to Hank, I think, about Portland being, like, one of the places where you can get every basic cultural, like, every, like, global, like, food. Mm -hmm. You have access to so much, and yet it is the most white, in that sense, space ever. Like, to me... That's how deep white supremacy is, is that, like, you are so into being white and yet you want all the easy access to every culture that is not white. I don't even really understand how that works. I mean, I understand how that works, but also, like, I don't want to go into it right now. In contrast, neighborhoods like South Park and the Fourth Ward provided a space where the African-American body was not only tolerated, but accepted and celebrated. Political districts kept black neighborhoods together and provided a small but insufficient political outlet for their interests. 
communication and media consumption, conversations, church congregations, radio, or newspapers, requires close proximity, meaning the separated neighborhoods provided a protected space for these meetings to happen. Beyond the legal restriction of deed covenants, covenants, close proximity requires a level of comfortability, one which whites failed to develop for black residents. By circumventing the culture, there is no force tying white residents to their homes, leaving them the ability to move away as they please. Black residents, in addition to being a dominant force in these neighborhoods, were not granted the same right to mobility that former white residents had. Over time, this leads to consolidations of neighborhoods on racial lines. Black neighborhoods grew out of the spaces with shotgun, shotgun houses and shanties, whereas white neighborhoods grew out of the spaces of racial covenants and two-story homes. Hmm, there's this Raleigh Mapping Department 4th Ward image, but it's not loading. From the 1970s. Erased. With the consolidated neighborhood built from a history of immobility, insufficient space, and blackness, erasure filters out what whites labeled as blight. In comparison to the dismantling of the Haiti neighborhood in Durham, North Carolina, through a calculated and documented set of incomplete urban renewal projects, the Fourth Ward disappeared with little trace. Expanding Western Boulevard and connecting it to an ironically named, yeah, I've always noticed, I'm like, this is a very ironic placement for MLK's name to come here. Expanding Western Boulevard and connecting to an ironically named Martin Luther King Boulevard signaled the beginning of the end for the Fourth Ward. Damn, that's really fucking, fucking depressing slash fucked up slash everything. Manly, McKee, and Fowl Streets had houses demolished. Dorothea Drive rerouted itself into a spiraling apartment complex. The maps and history of the Fourth Ward remained difficult to piece together. Asking forums or other longtime residents yielded no results. Few maps are detailed enough to show the Fourth Ward neighborhood being erased, but what little evidence remains still showed the neighborhood disappearing. First, houses on Manly Street were removed and reclaimed by the city. Oh, there's a Raleigh topographical map, but it's not loading either. Hmm. How on fucking point. Next, Dawson and McDowell streets were extended through the neighborhood. Also another map image that's not loading. Also, now I can't even... Government's trying to erase us. I can't fucking. I can't keep. I can't keep reading because it's not loading. Ay, ay, ay.
Finally, Western Boulevard was rerouted to meet in the looping interchange present today. From start to completion, this process took 30 years to undo the 100 years of rich African-American history. Oh, the map's loaded. Maps represent more than space at a given point in time. They represent the transition between real world and a filtered model of the world. Maps carry no concept of emotions or opportunities of what came before the immediate past. As we move through the realization of ubiquitous computing, we must recognize its difficulty with truthfully representing history. Applications like this one can be viewed from a desktop, tablet, or mobile device, creating a series of maps to understand what happened to one of Raleigh's neighborhoods. The, the digitization of North Carolinian maps by the State Archives and University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's library system made these representations possible. The most crucial period to understanding what happened to the Fourth Ward was between the two topographical maps from 1974 and 1981. However, no digitized or available maps exist with enough detail to truly understand what was happening. This period is almost too recent for exploration by historians, but too early to be among the first digitized maps. A long-term memory is required for ubiquitous computing to be beneficial. Profiles of user behaviors and search histories help facilitate efficient choices in shopping, healthcare, and social interaction. However, what is remembered is not programmed by the geographically proximate people, but by an outsider. That's interesting. Decades of incomplete urban renewal projects may not be known to these outsiders, leading to a mass erasure of how detrimental incomplete projects are to marginalized communities. Yeah, that's true, though. That's why all these people moving into Raleigh need a fucking... I mean, they need to do a lot of things, but whatever. They need to do a lot of things, but decolonization, learning the history of the city that you're moving into, knowing that you are being lied to. I think more people moving into a new city need to know that you are being lied to by the government on every level, regardless if you're moving to a new city, but just by knowing that when you're moving, you're being lied to because there is always something that the government wants you to be on a bandwagon with so that they can move in pushing people out. And generally it is black neighborhoods, spaces that were made to be amazing because of black labor, black energy, black resilience, black excellence, not to put any of these extremes on anyone, but just, it's just places that were created into something beautiful and then taken away yet again. 
by fucking whiteies. Because they're like, oh, now that it's been developed by black people, we don't have to put in as much energy to develop it to make it our shit. Raleigh, don't worry. No, she said, I would love to get to be more, I would love to build our relationship more, our friendship more, but when you only come to me with your work, it's hard for me to build that relationship. And I was like, okay, so my work is literally trying to make this city more livable for myself and other POC and you think that's not me building a relationship with you, well then it's because you're not building a relationship with me, so fuck your little white ass. And, uh... Yeah. yeah, fuck your little rich white ass, too. Not just white ass, but a fucking rich white ass coming from fucking Seattle. I was like, do you know anything about the islands? Like, the indigenous communities and all she could talk so- about? Yeah, and all she could talk about was... Well, she said no. She didn't know. And then all she could reference was the time she learned about the communities in San Francisco because she lived there, I guess, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she didn't talk to, like, the era of Native Americans. She just spoke to, like, people before now, which was, like, what, in the past, like, hundred years. Right. I was like, okay, well, that's because the school system was okay and made it part of their curriculum to teach kids about that history that's not on you like you had no active part in doing that (laughs) so i don't know how you you know just white people scattering to find things that prove that they are good when it's like oh okay um Uh, ubiquitous computing does not create information. Rather, it captures information already created. Choosing what to capture and retain in memory is an incredibly human task. Yep. Subject to human prejudices and gaps in knowledge. The Fourth Ward neighborhood has not been written about since the 1980s, and only through a serendipitous project did I rediscover this area. And even in this rediscovery, significant key facts and narrative experiences are missing. Ubiquity implies an all-knowingness, and lost experience and information contradicts that premise. What the fuck does ubiquitous mean? This is what happens when people write about this shit. They use language that's, like, not very inviting. Actually, I don't know if this guy's white. I can't spay. But regardless, we're they're living in a white language world. The fact of appearing everywhere or of being very common. So that's saying a long-term memory is required for ubiquitous computing to be beneficial. So, like... Basically, a long-term memory is required for knowledgeable, all-around knowledgeable computing to be beneficial. I mean, I get the energy that's coming from this paragraph, but it... Ubiquitous was just 
a very dividing word to use. Oh, okay, it, I guess the author does say ubiquity implies an all-knowingness. And lost experiences and information contradicts that premise. It is important to recognize where the pushing, pulling, and erasing presents itself in the modern world. Although urban renewal projects may no longer exist, I mean, that's just what people call now, what developers and call it, right? Urban renewal is basically what is development, which is why when someone says, like, we need to develop this land, I just want to say, fuck you. The effects of gentrification could be similar, driving marginalized communities out of spaces they cultivated and made their own, changing a space of mobility and security into a forced exodus. Ubiquitous computing should help to remember and facilitate a deeper understanding of the land around us and provide information protections for those marginalized communities who need it most. Hmm. Let me see if I can. This link is kind of long. Story maps dot dot com slash stories. Yeah, that's not cute to write out. But it's coming from this, I think, website? I don't know. It's interesting. Hmm. It doesn't link you back to anything. It's kind of like a closed loop within itself, which is interesting. I wonder if it's this guy that I just found on LinkedIn. Ah, City of Raleigh's version of the narrative on the city website. Wow, all of a sudden I want a lumpia. Huh? All of a sudden I want a lumpia. Yeah? Like, I really want the sauce that it goes in. 